in, in Greek, there is a uh, there is a phrase called pleroma, uh, the fullness, and it literally means it, it's a it's a description of a cup full running over. Um, that's how I feel this morning because this um, these passages. I looked, I'm so ashamed that I read through what my assignment would be for next week. When, when Jeff and I talked about doing this initially, JB said, I need somebody to teach something in the Old Testament. I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be glad to do the Old Testament because every time I teach the Old Testament, it fills me so full and shows me how it all fits together. But, you know, I was in a... I was in a discussion, and I've, I've said this before, but I was in a discussion with, with Amy Jill Levine. Actually, I went to one of her lectures at the Temple. Every February, she does a four-week series. Fletcher's been. She does a four-week series at Temple. And uh, one of the things she did maybe two times ago was she talked about Tanakh. Tanakh is the Jewish Bible. And she said, in the center of Tanakh is Torah. Tanakh is an acrostic, if you hadn't figured it out. It, in, the, in the center of Tanakh is Torah. And Torah is the law. Torah is, any Jew will defend Torah to his death. Torah is God. That's it, the explanation of God. Outside of that circle is the Nevium. Nevium is the prophets, Tanakh. Tanakh. Nevia is the prophets. So we can put Samuel in the prophets. Then outside of that is the Kevium. And it's not for, if you hear a Jew pronounce this, I'm not doing good. Um, but the Kevium are the writings. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. The, 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 I, I, will, I believe and have believed for many years that the Gospel of John was written uh, to uh, give you John's commentary on Kevin. Because at the time Gospel of John was being written, there's a council in Jamnia, which is over on the coast by Tyre and Sidon. And there's a big council of Jews, and they're meeting to discuss whether to keep the writings in the canon, in the Old Testament canon. The Old Testament canon was not codified until like 250 A.D. 250. So they were still debating what's in and what's out. That's why Catholic Bibles have the Apocrypha, the Maccabees, Syriac, all that, which... They're great writings, but they just didn't make it canonically. So, anyway, Torah is what you defend at all costs. Nevium defines Torah. The prophets told us what Torah is all about. And Kevium tells us not only what Torah is about, but what the Nevium is about. Today you're going to see, and it just blows my mind. My, my apology is that I read chapters 20 and 21 thinking, you know, there's not a lot there. What am I going to talk about? And then I started looking. Are you aware that there are psalms that are written about 20 and 21? So David is out on the hills writing these psalms, and he's writing about the Nebium that Samuel is writing. 
at the same time. And so commentary, if, if you're a theologian, anytime you do a passage, you do an exegesis of the passage. Exegesis is, is what is outside of Scripture. You look at everything that might affect that. That's exegesis. Eisegesis is what is inside of Scripture. And so I've spent my whole time this week looking at how Scripture is commenting on Scripture in these passages. And it's fascinating. It's fascinating. So as we begin, let's, I just kind of want to do a, a quick, just that, that's just an also rant. So just keep that, keep that in your mind. Um, let's, let's look at chapter 18 because I think that's where, where all this starts. We're going through 21 today. Uh, but all this starts in 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan, this is right after David killed Goliath, and Saul and Jonathan get together, I mean, David and Jonathan get together and form a friendship. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Hard to say in a, at a first meeting how you could become simpatico with somebody and become that close of a friend, but that's what happened. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant. That's a big word, and it means a lot. You know, as Terry was talking about this morning, was talking about the grace that he receives from, from uh, the Eucharist implied in covenant is hesed. Hesed is a Hebrew word which means grace. Hesed was used 250 times in the Old Testament. So when you see covenant, you think covenantal grace. Here's the deal. David does not have a lot of friends in Saul's arena. David is on the outside. From this whole deal, yes, Luda, Saul is going to try to kill David. And I don't understand it, but it's going to happen. I thought about you all week. It's unjustified. It's just not right. Why would God allow this to be real? Okay. David is trying. Saul is trying to kill David. How could you live knowing someone is literally trying to kill you? The way you live is you have a covenant with Jonathan who has a lot of power, he's the crown prince, you have a covenant with him, and in that covenant is implied hesed, grace. I'm at peace because of hesed. Uh, yeah, the steadfast love of the Lord, that's hesed. Hesed, it never ceases. His mercies are never ending. Those of us who take communion, are part of that cut, you know. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as right. What is that a back at two five? It's in Galatians, I know, but is that Habakkuk? Habakkuk, yes. Yeah, it's Habakkuk. I'm not sure about the chapter. Okay. All right. Abraham believed God, it was credited credited to him as righteousness. That's part of that covenant. We believe in Abraham's God. 
We are sons of Abraham. That's the covenant we receive. We are, we're under the same covenant. So it's the whole discussion. You know, I, I play Roman. I tell you, if I could get everything out, I want to get out. This would be a great class. <laughs> um, in, in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, he talk about the Sabbath rest. Talk about the Sabbath rest. Why do we rest? Why do we have the ability to go around and feel good about ourselves? It's because we are under the covenant. We have hesed. We've received God's grace. And we know that no matter what we do, we will continue to receive God's grace. And that's our peace. That's our Sabbath rest. All right. Had to get that out. have no idea where that is in my notes. <clears throat> Jonathan, because he loved David as himself, Jonathan took off his robe, the robe he was wearing, and he gave it to David. That's a bigger deal than Jeff made that out to be. In the Acadia, we have an Acadian document. Acadia was uh, ancient Mesopotamia, 2400 B.C. Uh, we have an Acadian document where the king and the king's wife, the queen, were not getting along. So much so that she asked him for a divorce. And he said, fine, do it. And she said, I'm taking our son with you. And he said, fine, as long as he abdicates his authority. And to abdicate his authority, that means take off your clothes. <laughs> and lay him right there on that throne. When Jonathan took off his robe, look at what he took off. He took off his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. What Jonathan is saying is, I'm the crown prince, and this was one day all going to be mine. I can see it's not. But I can help you. I can, we can do this together. And you're a peasant. Take this robe. You're not a peasant. We're equals. That's what Jonathan's saying. <clears throat> um, and then, immediately after that, the scripture goes into a country song. Now, country music changes <laughs> things. It changes things. So somebody wrote a country song, and it says... David, I mean, Saul has killed his thousands, and David is killed. That's the, the refrain of the country song. I just think it's hilarious. Look at this next verse. Look at this next verse. Saul was very angry. That refrain galled him. And from that day forward, Saul said, David, you've got to die. I'm going to kill you. And then Jeff said, four times, David. I mean, uh, Saul tried to kill David. I, I, I can't. I, I count more like eleven or twelve times. Saul throws his spear at David twice. Saul makes David a commander of the thousand, hoping he will be killed. His oldest daughter Meribah is often offered to David if he will go fight the Lord's battles like a valiant man. I just want you dead. That's all. Michael is offered to David for 100 Philistine foreskins. David get, presents 200. Saul orders Jonathan and his servants to kill David. Saul slings a spear at David again. Saul sends messengers to David's house to kill him. 
Saul sends three groups of men to now with take David, and then he comes himself. Saul wanted David dead, dead, dead. Hey, Randall. Hey. Just a curiosity question. Is it common knowledge that Samuel had anointed David? No. No. Good question. No, it is not common. As a matter of fact, no one knows that except, I think, Jonathan now. Jonathan and David. But it's hilarious. Later on, when we get to 21, we'll get there. I'm going to go ahead and tell you the story. He go, David goes down to Gath to get away. And he gets to Gath. What do they say to him in Gath? Isn't this the guy that killed our champion? Yeah, that. Okay. And he says, isn't this the guy that the song is written about? The country song's written about? That's right. <laughs> Isn't he the king of Israel? It's funny how God uses people who are not of the same thought process to, to, to tell us about it. The king of Gath knew this is the king of Israel. Even though Saul doesn't get it yet, this is the king of Israel. That country song is awesome. <laughs> Top of the charts. Let's keep going. <clears throat> hey, Randall? Yes? Hey, this might be kind of thrown off. Oh, okay, if, if you're asking, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the character of Jonathan. I and if too. he doesn't get, you know, I feel like I think, well, he is a man after God's own. That's good. Yeah. Because here's something about Jonathan. What kind of faith do you think it takes for somebody to be the crown prince and to say, no, I think God's going this way, and I'm going to honor that? It's the same kind of faith that gets up on the night you're going to be killed and washes your apostle, your, your disciples' feet. It's the same kind of faith. You know who you are. You know we're all here for a purpose, and you're just, all you want in all your life is for God's purposes to be achieved. That's Jonathan. Jonathan was a great man. Yeah. You don't hear about him that much, but, I mean, he's not like David. And I always think Jonathan made a, a covenant with David, but did David seem to value Jonathan as much as Jonathan valued David? I, well, you know, let, let, me, let me say that yes, he did. And, and I'll, I'll, I can prove that. Let's, let's, let's see here. Um, I'll have to go over a couple of chapters to prove it. I'm sorry? Yes, yes. And that's, that's obviously later on. But he keep, this, this covenant that he made, and Jonathan was, was quick to see as David became more and more powerful. You'll honor this covenant between my whole family, right? Because it was common that if a king came in, he destroyed the family of who it was before. Destroyed everything. Look at Nero. Look at all the Caesars. Look at just look. This is what happened in that culture. You didn't leave anybody living that would be a threat to the throne. Anyway. Uh, but but in a covenant, in a covenant, there is a dominant person and there is a a, a, a under person. Three times, David, well, look at, uh, flip over, yeah, flip over to, I don't know how this is going to work out, but we're going to go faster. Go, go to chapter 20. <clears throat> um, chapter 20. And look at verse 
verse 7. Well, let me tell this story. So he's, he's, David and Jonathan devised this plan because there's like this new moon festival. And David is a high-ranking official in Saul's kingdom. Saul's kingdom. So they're having a new moon festival. Well, all they do is get together and have a big feast celebrating another month. And here's what's going to happen this month. And so I want everybody there. Everybody has to come. And there is a seating arrangement. There's a big table. And it's Saul and Jonathan's on one side. And David is supposed to be on the other side. And David said, if I go, he'll kill me. And so they devised this deal. They said, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to kind of camp in the woods here and uh, you go to the festival and you tell him that um, I had to go to Bethlehem to be with my family because all my family's going to meet we're going to celebrate some of that. So if I was a professor at Lipscomb and I was teaching situational ethics, I would be right in this chapter because they're just bold-faced lying to everybody. Okay, <laughs> Just do, do this and it'll be okay. And it, no. Anyway, uh, so they do that. They do that. Jonathan says, I mean, David says, if you go to that festival, and he says, look at verse 7. If he says, very well, then your servant is safe. Whose servant? Who's he a servant to? John. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he's determined to harm me. For you show kindness to your servant, for you have brought, and your Bible probably says him there, the original text says your servant. Three times in those two verses, it says your servant. Jonathan, David is saying, I am your servant, Jonathan. You're the crown prince. I know I'm anointed of God. We don't know when that's going to happen. But I know. And you and I are simpatico. We have a covenant. We're going to do this together. I love that. I love that. Um, but you will show kindness to your servant. What is that word? Does anybody know what that word is? Hesed. It's grace. You show steadfast, devoted love and kindness to your servant. Wow. Go back to Genesis 15. I love that Jeff brought up Genesis 15. I would have done it differently, but... <coughs> so Genesis 15 is the, is the blood path between Abraham and God. It's what is the foundational basis for our faith, that our covenant with God... So they split the bull, the ram, the goat, the sheep, whatever, all, all the way down to doves. They split them in half, and the idea is that both parties will walk through this blood path, and you'll have blood on your tunic because you have walked through the blood path. Remember what happened? Abraham prepared all that, and that's a gruesome deal to prepare that. And he was tired, and he sat down waiting for God. And God didn't show. And Abraham woke up. He was not, not, uh, nodding off. And he woke up, and there's birds. Pick, and he's shooting the birds. Get out of here. Get out of here. And he sits back down, and he goes into a deep sleep. And in that sleep, he sees a 
fire pot or something that goes through the blood path? And that's God. Does Abraham ever go through the blood path? Two questions. Does Abraham ever go to, through the blood path? And why did God take so long to get there? Why did he, he prepared it? Why did God just not show up and let's do it? These are great answers. <laughs> I'm sorry? Can't argue with them. <laughs> Teaching Abraham to wait uh, for God on God's time. That's good. I, and, and that may very well be it. This is, we're out in the Netherlands now. And God is going to fulfill both shares of the covenant. Only one, only one party walked through, and that was God. Why did we not walk through? Why did Abraham not walk through? God knew we could never fulfill our side of the covenant. But he's the dominant in the covenant. And he still wants to be in covenant with us. Isn't that amazing? He knows we can't do it. But he still wants... Why did God take so long to show up? Because when he did, he signed Jesus' death warrant. When he did this covenant, he knew that he, a part of him, was going to have to die. Because God cannot tolerate our sin. You can get a lot out of the Old Testament. Really just dig it. <clears throat> so, Um, we're going faster than I thought. That's good. <clears throat> we're at uh, twenty, chapter twenty. <clears throat> um, so they they do their little plan. They do their little plan, and they get to the meal, and they had a had a meal on one day. Well, okay, that's not enough. Then they had a meal the next, and. And Saul kind of looked over and saw that David wasn't there, and he thought, well, maybe he was just providentially hindered. Okay, So he didn't really say anything the first day. The second day, he looks at Jonathan, and he says, where's David? Oh, no, 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 he didn't even say that. Where is the son of Jeff? He can't even call David's name. He's that been out of shape. Where is that guy? And Jonathan goes, well, he had to go to Bethlehem, da 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 Look at verse 30. Saul's anger flared up and he said to him, You son of a... You ever hear anybody say, You son of a... It's not going to be good what comes out next. <laughs> you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Now does anyone in this room think that's what he said? <laughs> I'm just asking you son of a perverse and rebellious woman the, uh, you'll, be, you'll, you'll laugh when I tell you that the Hebrew there is ambiguous he <laughs> <laughs> got the son of a got the son of a right we got that today's English Bible says you son of a bastard the New Jerusalem text says you son of a rebellious slut. 
And the New English 2 version says, you stupid son of a... One of those has got to be right, okay? But Saul was not happy. He was not happy at all. I know that you've sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you. As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Well, Samuel's already told him, your kingdom's not going to be established. He's still fighting for it. Now send and bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done, Jonathan asked. And Saul then took his spear and hurled it at Jonathan. I mean, that dude was wild. Uh, the, the 11 times I showed you before, then he hurls a spear at his own son. <clears throat> Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger, and he didn't eat. He was grieved because of his father's shameful treatment of David. And in the morning, they go out and they, they go out to the field and they do their little dance. Uh, Jonathan takes a little boy with him and he shoots three arrows over by the rock where David told him he was going to be. And one of the arrows, he shoots it so far, he shoots it over the rock that the little boy would not be able to gather. And that's the signal. Yes, he's going to kill you. And so they... They go out and do all that. The little boy goes and picks up the arrows. He goes, all right, really, find the other arrow. They go, fine, go home. Take these armors with you. And David comes out of, from hiding. And Saul and David, Jonathan. <clears throat> Jonathan and David, embrace, hug, and kiss, and do whatever. And really, honestly, I'm not positive about this, but I think this is the last time the last they see time. each other. Yeah, I think it's the last time they ever see each other. They both go their separate ways. And David is going to, uh, so chapter 21, go in peace for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord saying the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever, Mephibosheth. Jonathan, one of Jonathan's sons, David takes care of until he dies. It's awesome. Then David left Jonathan and went back into town. So David went to Nob and Ahimelech to Ahimelech the priest. Nob is the city of priests. I just want to show you how all this works out. It's just hilarious. So uh, Nob is the city of priests. Ahimelech is Eli's grandson. By the way, I'm not going to read all these psalms, but just look at this. When uh, Michael saved David's life when Saul had sent men out to kill him. That's what Psalms 59 is about. It's unreal. You want to know how David was feeling about that, about how Saul's... Read this psalm. Psalm 52. David has gone to the house of Ahimelech. That's where we are right now. That's where, that's where we're headed. Um, let me go one more. Okay, so this is, you know, we keep showing you this map, and I realize it probably doesn't mean anything to you. But the Dead Sea is here. Jebus, Jerusalem, is 14 miles from the Dead Sea, except it's a two-day's journey. It's 3,000 feet in elevation. It goes Bethlehem. And look at Nob. I'm always like, where is, what is, where is Nob? I mean, I've been to Jerusalem. Where's Nob? It's this. 
You see this, uh, you see this platform area right here? This is where we do all of our devotionals, all you people who've been to Israel. This is it. Nob is Mount Scopus. It's where Hebrew University is, it's where the Dead Sea Scrolls are today. But picture this in David's time. David goes to Nob, the city of priests. Why in all of Israel would Nob be the city of priests? I have no idea, but it is. So in David's time, you look out, and this is what? Anybody? I'm sorry? It's a, it's a pasture. It's a pasture. And on top of the pasture at the highest point is what? The rock. But what is it now? Threshing floor of Aruna. Threshing floor of Aruna. And we're going to get to see how all this happens. When we get to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 24, David does this ungodly census or whatever, and God places a calamity on Israel, and there's, I forget how many thousands of people are killed. And David is down in the palace of, I have a little, yeah, David's down in the palace of David. The city of David is right here. And we've just begun to excavate that because that's been a parking lot since the early 70s. And it was owned by Muslims. If you go in that building, you'll see that rock. The Dome of the Rock? Well, you can't get in that building. Well, you can. <laughs> <laughs> There's SWAT teams up there to keep people out of that. Anyway, but uh, what happened? I hate this stuff. Anyway. Um, okay. Uh, but the, the, the city of David has just begun to be excavated. And we've had, you know, one of the big, if you're, if you're in modern theology at all, well, you can't even prove that David ever existed. Because we don't have any, I mean, this is before first temple deal. I mean, this is before. There's nothing going on there. This is thousands of years ago. Up at Tel Dan, Tel Dan, we have found a stella from Sennacherib uh, of Assyria that mentions, I just went down there and just wiped out David and all his troops. Well, that proves David is a real dude. We've also in recent years found uh, little, uh, they call them bulas, that it's... Um, like if you write a letter to somebody and you stamp it, that's a bula. We found bulas from uh, uh, King, uh, good King Josiah's servant. We, we were able to go back in scripture and point to all this. The evidence is mounting. The evidence is mounting. I think the inscription said he killed the king from the house of David. That's, okay, that's, that, that's probably right, yeah. But it's the first time we've ever seen yeah. even seen that name, David. And you know, I didn't. Re I, I've never really been that big of a fan of David, except he is the hero of the Old Testament, and I, I have wanted to study him. Uh, and I found out this week that you know the word Adonai means Lord. The word Adomi means red and ruddy. Esau was red and ruddy. Um, 
David was described as being red and ruddy. Saul was described as being red and ruddy. I don't mean him. So I'd have a new affection for him. <laughs> 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 oh, what? <laughs> 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 they lovely? Yes, they are. Let's just, let's just, I'm done with this. <laughs> okay. Um, Back in our happier days. <laughs> <laughs> so David went to Nob. <laughs> David went to Nob, and Ahimelech the priest trembled when he met him. Why are you alone? I know you travel with a large entourage. What? 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 What is this? And David answered Ahimelech the priest, the, and, and man. The lies just come out of this guy's mouth. It's pretty easy. I mean, he can lie like with the best of them. The king charged me on a certain matter and said to me, now, uh, if, you, no one's knowing anything about your mission. And I just want you to go and meet me at a certain place. What do you do? Can you give me something to eat? Me and my men, my men, me and my men, he's by himself. Where's his men? Well, they're hiding. Can you give me something to eat? <clears throat> and Ahimelech, who is Eli's grandson. Remember uh, when Samuel left... I'm sorry? John MacArthur says great-grandson. Okay, good. Well, who am I to question the great-grandson? <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a little note right here. Okay, just a little note. Next time you're teaching that, you can correct it. Um, so, when Samuel left, it was Ahimelech's brother, Ahitub. Did Jean MacArthur say anything about that? Okay. Ahitub is the one that was the counselor to, to Saul. And Ahimelech obviously decided he would go and be with all the priests. And this is where the priests stayed. And they don't have a whole lot, uh, but they do have the showbread that they're commanded in Leviticus to, to make. And Ahimelech says, well, if they haven't had sex with any women, they can have these bread, these loaves of bread that we're getting ready to throw away uh, because you're to make fresh bread every week and put it on the table. See, the tabernacle has been moved to Nam. The tabernacle is now in Nob. The uh, um, Ark of the Covenant is still down at Kareth Jerium with Abinadab, and I don't know why, but maybe someday I'll find out. But it's still down there, and now the tabernacle's here, and the priests go with the tabernacle. Okay, even if the Ark of the Covenant's not there, they still observe the holies and the holy of holy place, even though there's no furniture. Isn't that amazing? Kind of reminds you of Second Temple Judaism when there was no ark, period. And they just kept on pretending. Um, these men are whole, on a holy mission, and they are, they are uh, on holy missions that are not holy. How much more so today? And the priests gave him the consecrated bread, <laughs> since there was no bread except the bread of presence that had been removed before the Lord and replaced... Um, on the day that it was taken away. In Matthew 12, 
Jesus' disciples were walking through the fields. And they were gathering grain. They were starving. They were gathering grain. They were eating it. They were eating the grain. And the Pharisees, that's us, legalists, the Pharisees were like, your men are working on the Sabbath. Now, what, what, is the, what is the law that says you can't work on the Sabbath? Somebody show me in Scripture where it says you can't work on the Sabbath. <clears throat> the law is keep the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's the law. Okay? But who's to say that I can't do that and grab a few pieces of grain? Well, the Pharisees. The Pharisees said, you can't work because you're not keeping it holy. So if you're ever in Jerusalem and you go punch an elevator, they have Shabbat elevators that stop on every floor because for you to lift your finger and punch the floor that you're supposed to go to, that's work. You can't do it. Most good Jews don't have don't do electricity. They eat at candlelight. They prepare the meals ahead of time so as not to work. A Sabbath day's walk is a quarter of a mile. That's why there are so many synagogues on every corner because it would make people work if they had to walk further than a Sabbath day's walk. A good Jew, when he wakes up in the morning and he's laying in bed, the first thing he does is day is today can I lift my leg to do, because I don't want to work they slide out of bed on that day they set up all these walls to guard Torah and Jesus said I'm the Lord of the Sabbath I can pretty well do whatever I want the Sabbath, was the Sabbath made for man or man for the Sabbath? It's just teaching the principle. Wow. <clears throat> By the way, if you go to, uh, how many of you are watching The Chosen? Season 2, Episode 4 is this Ahimelech David encounter at the very beginning. And then it goes and starts telling the story. I told you that. You were sleeping. Yes. <laughs> I said, David, this, Adele, this is what I'm going to teach next week. And you're like, oh. God better than I need sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, or he did. Okay. That, that's enough ranting. Uh, does anybody have any, have any questions? Next week we'll start at chapter 22. And that's Psalm 57. Just blows me away that the guy we're talking about has written his own commentary about this. Where else do you go? And, and you can't get that anywhere. It also blows me away that David, a little shepherd boy who is ceremonially unclean, who could never go to synagogue while he was a shepherd, um, knows so much and can talk to us so much. <clears throat> you know, Josh said this morning, what did Jesus say when he was on the cross? I said, well, he's quoting the Psalms. He quoted the Psalms. My God, my God. Psalm 27. He's quoting it. Give me the vinegar to drink. Psalm 1 something. Psalm 1. 
He's quoting the Psalms because this was part of the vernacular that day. If you were a good Jew, you knew the Psalms. And from there, everything radiated. I would tell you, if you know Torah, you will know the Nebium. Every time somebody reads you something in the Nebium, it talks about Torah, you'll understand it through that lens. If you understand Torah, you'll understand the Kebium. Every time it, you read it through that lens. I would put the New Testament right here for Torah. This, you want to learn about God? Look at Jesus. You want to look about God? Look at Jesus. Bruce Long, do you have anything? Bruce Long's still here. That's good. <laughs> when do you go back? Oh, wow. You're here for a while. Great. Great. Anybody? Thank you.